0: on our series, The Responsibility of Being a Disciple. And and just to catch up as to what we've covered over the past few weeks, I started out uh, part one, a disciple lives morally pure in an impure world. And then uh, Pastor Jonathan talked about being a bold witness for Christ. And then last week, uh, Pastor Josh, man, he hit a grand slam last week. Engage a, a disciple engages in biblical community. And then today, today we're on week four, and we're going to be talking about a disciple who is just and generous, just and generous. Are you ready to receive the word today? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity we have. Lord, thank you for your rich presence as we come together in worship. Thank you, Father, that you have prepared our hearts to receive this very, very important word that you put on my heart today. And Father, we thank you. We declare that our hearts are open. Lord, thank you that the Spirit of God lives within us, speaks to us, communicates to us the heart of Jesus today. And Lord, we'll be quick and responsive to what we hear. We'll put it to play in our lives today. And we give you praise for that in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. 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 Let's get our takeaway up on the screen today. Our takeaway for our message is this. God is just and generous in all of his dealings with us. Aren't you glad for that? Believers are recipients of God's justice and generosity. How many believers do we have in the house? If you're born again, you're a believer in Jesus. You've had an experience with God. He's touched your life. You've experienced a measure of his justice and generosity. But listen, there's another step. Going from a believer to a disciple. Listen to what this says. Disciples are not just recipients, but they have become facilitators. Everybody say facilitators. Disciples are facilitators of God's justice and generosity. You know, typically when we think of justice, we think of the punishment of a guilty person because of a crime committed. But you know what? There's a whole nother side to justice as far as God is concerned. The Bible says that God delights in mercy. And so when we talk about true justice, there's a whole nother side to justice that God is concerned with, and that justice is his desire to demonstrate mercy and compassion in the lives of hurting and broken people. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 145, verse 8 and 9. It declares the Lord's heart. The Lord is gracious and full of compassion. Slow to anger and great in mercy. The Lord is good to all. Aren't you glad that God is not a discriminator of persons? He's good to all, and his compassion is over all his works. I want you to notice that word mercy in the Hebrew is chesed. Everybody say that, chesed. Now you got your mask on so you can do that. You don't have to worry about spitting on somebody else, but it has that guttural sound, chesed. That's how it's pronounced in Hebrew. And that is a very powerful word that's all throughout the Old Testament. In fact, it's tied together with grace. Grace and mercy overlap. And that word chesed, mercy, is translated in different translations as loving kindness, graciousness, benevolence. These words describing chesed are connected with action, good deeds, and charitable giving. And that word is found throughout all of the Old Testament. You know, when you think of the Old Testament, a lot of people get Think that, well, it's all about law, but actually, the law reveals the grace, the mercy, the kindness, the the goodness of God all throughout the Old Testament. And then the way God dealt with individuals, the way that God dealt with the nation of Israel, He extended grace and mercy over and over. Think about it. When we as believers receive God's grace and mercy, we should put ourselves in a position to pay it forward to extend it to someone else in need. We should be known, if, any, if there's any group of people on the face of the earth that should be known for benevolence, it's the children of God. Amen. We should be known as benevolent people who are disposed to showing favor to those in our home. It begins at home, people. Amen. To our community, and especially to those who are less fortunate, dealing with pain, brokenness, and hurt In their lives. Believers should be just and generous in all of their relationships. Can you say amen? Amen. Listen to this quote here. True justice is defined by the Lord as showing mercy and compassion towards others who are less fortunate than you. It is demonstrated by acts of giving and service. So we're going to take a look at what is true justice. And it's very, very clearly described in the Old Testament. God defines it through his prophets. Zechariah chapter 7, verse 9 and 10. This is God speaking through his prophet. He says, thus says the Lord of hosts, execute true justice. Show compassion and mercy. Show mercy and compassion every man to his brother. Verse 10, do not oppress, exploit, take advantage of. The widow, the orphan, the sojourner, that would be foreigners without rights of citizenship in a country, or the poor. So here the scripture tells us that true justice equals what? Mercy and compassion. Mercy and compassion. Think about that. Speaks of the heart of Jesus to me. At the very core of his heart was his desire to show mercy to the hurting and broken that were around him. In fact, it put him on a conflict course with the religious leaders of the day because the religious leaders in Jesus' day were polar opposite. They were very religious, very legalistic, and he rebuked them for not executing true justice, mercy, and compassion in their ministry towards the people. He said to them publicly, he rebuked them in front of a large audience. He said, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You tithe mint and dill, all the tiny little things and cumin. But you have, listen, neglected the weightier matters of the law. What was the weightier matters of the law? Justice, mercy, and faith. Justice, mercy, and faith. Listen to what Micah the prophet said in chapter 6, verse 8. He has shown thee, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you? But to do what? Come on, everybody, preach at me. But to do what? Do justly and love what? Mercy chesed. God's mercy and God's compassion. We should love that. And remember, every time this word mercy or chesed is spoken of in the Old Testament, it's always connected with action, corresponding action, good deeds, and charitable donation. Listen again to what Micah said in chapter 7, verse 18. Where is another God like you who pardons the guilty of the remnant? That's us. How many have been pardoned? How many have been forgiven? Amen. Overlooking the sins of his special people, you will not stay angry with your people forever, the prophet says. Why? Because you delight in showing mercy. Oh, come on. That's shouting ground right there. God delights showing mercy. He loves healing people. He loves restoring broken relationships. He loves raising the dust up out of the poor and putting them on top of things. He's merciful. He's loving kindness. His benevolent uh, 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 character, he's disposed to showing favors to us. Hallelujah. True justice is the very foundation of God's throne. Think about this. Every time we come boldly to the throne of grace, we're encouraged to come boldly to the throne of grace. For what, for what purpose? To find help in time of need, to find mercy, to find chesed. Are you with me? Amen. We can come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in time of need. God will always, somebody shout always. He will always deal with us equitably and fairly. That's the heart of our Jesus. We see this in Psalm 89. The psalmist declared about justice. He said in verse 14 and 15, justice and judgment are the habitation. In other words, foundation. Justice and judgment are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth shall go before your face. Blessed is the people that know the joyful sound. That word sound is shout. It's also the blowing of the trumpet, Tarua, They shall walk, O Lord, in the light of your countenance. This is a very powerful scripture that shows who we are dealing with. Who is our father? What is his throne established on? What is our prayer life established on? It's established on God's true justice. It's established on mercy and compassion. Think about this. The Bible says here in verse 15 that blessed are the people that know the joyful sound. That joyful sound is the sound of the trumpet. It's the sound of the gospel. Aren't you glad you heard the gospel? Aren't you glad that you received the gospel? Aren't you glad that you were touched by the mercy and the compassion of God? The psalmist said here in verse 15, blessed are the people who know the joyful sound. Thank you, Jesus, for touching my life. Hallelujah. You know, this was the experience that the nation of Israel had, they had a worship calendar and all throughout the year they would worship God with their feasts. And those feasts were initiated by the sound of a trumpet. And that trumpet was a sound of good tidings, of good news, because all those feasts represent the ministry of our Lord Jesus Christ. All those feasts convey God's compassion, God's mercy, and what He wanted to do for His people. Amen. In fact, there was a very special feast that was celebrated every 50 years. And every 50th year, the trumpet was to sound in Israel to announce the year of jubilee. Say jubilee. Jubilee. It was during this time that those who found themselves enslaved in debt because of maybe unfortunate circumstances or whatever transpired in their life, they found themselves in a position of slavery. When that trumpet sound that announcement declared that the people were set free from their debt, set free from their poverty, set free from their slavery, the debts that they could not pay were paid off. Hallelujah. Wow. That trumpet sound issued the command that was found in Leviticus chapter 24, 25, verse 9 and 10. You you know, you think, can anything good come out of Leviticus? It's such dry reading. But yes, there's commands for freedom in that verse. In fact, that command is inscribed on our Liberty Bell, one of our national icons for freedom and justice. And that proclamation was this, proclaim liberty throughout all the land unto all the inhabitants thereof. Poor, you don't have to be poor no more. Slaves, you are free today. Your debts have been paid. How many know that Jesus, he is our Jubilee and he paid off all of our debts? The debt you couldn't pay, the debt that was so overwhelming, he stepped in and he paid it off. Hallelujah. Jesus made that decree at the onset of his ministry when he said in Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19, from the MEV version, he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to who? This is your opportunity to preach this morning. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted." broken-hearted to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Verse 19, Jesus said to preach the acceptable year. That acceptable year is the year of Jubilee. And it gave God great joy and great pleasure to set captives free every 50 years in the nation of Israel. Wow. You know, when you look through the Old Testament, even in the midst of, you know, the, 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 uh, the law, most people, when they look at the law, they think it's, well, it's very, very legalistic. But in the Old Testament law, it establishes the grace and the mercy of God. It reveals the very heart of God. Amen. One day there was a lawyer who approached Jesus and he asked him, what must I do to, uh, to inherit eternal life? And Jesus, he was always good for answering a question with a question. And he, he said, well, what does the word say? And he quoted the great commandment. Love the Lord with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. But there was something about this lawyer. There was something in his heart. He was looking for a loophole. And he said, well, who are my neighbors? Why did he ask that question? Was he excusing himself from stepping into the world that was around him? A world of pain, suffering, hurt, and brokenness? Was he looking for a way out to excuse himself from having compassion? We don't really know, but Jesus knew. And he gave a parable. He gave the illustration, and you know the story of the Good Samaritans, one of the great stories that Jesus told in the gospel. Here was a man who fell to thieves and robbers, and he was laying half dead on the roadside, wounded, bloodied, probably all dirty, infected. And there came one walking down the road. He was a priest. Now, surely a priest would know better to reach out and have compassion on this person. But he walked over to the other side of the road. Have you ever done that? You're walking down the road and you see someone coming your way and you really don't want to interact with them, so you skip over to the other side of the road. Yeah, Yeah, you're looking too holy right now. Come on. The priest walked over to the other side of the road because he didn't want to engage in brokenness and hurting. Then came a Levite and he did the same thing. But then there came a Samaritan, the good Samaritan. That's our Jesus. And he came to that broken person who was half dead. And he, the Bible says that he poured in oil and he poured in wine. And he lifted him up and set him on a horse and, and to, or a donkey and, and brought him to an inn and told the innkeeper, here's some money to take care of him and whatever uh, it, it doesn't cover. When I get back, I'll pay for it. The good Samaritan came to that place of, of brokenness and hurting in that, in that life. A man who's half dead. That describes us. We were all half dead. Lost in our sin. In fact, that word that's used to describe the man by the roadside who was wounded, that word means vulna in the Greek. And the word vulna is where we get the word Vulnerable. And we were all at that place in our life. We were vulnerable because of sin. Satan had his thumb on our life. Hello? But then came Jesus, the good Samaritan. And he brought oil. He brought us the new birth. And then he brought wine. He brought us the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then he set us on a beast and brought us into the inn called the family of God. You're, you're a rich people. You've got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've got the new birth. You've got the family of God. You've got connections. You've got relationships. And whatever provisions that you have need of, just like the good Samaritan says, whatever you need, I'll pay for it. He's brought us the provisions of healing. He's brought us the provisions of prosperity. Our life is total complete because of the good Samaritan. Now, listen to what Jesus said to this man who is probably looking for a loophole. Maybe it was hard in his heart. Maybe he said, that's not my world. I'm not going there. I'm all set. I practice the law. I've got my blessing. This is not my problem. But listen to what Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 36. Now, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Was it the Levite? No. Was it the priest? No. He said, the one who showed mercy. Who was that? The good Samaritan the one who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to this lawyer, he said, go and do likewise. Pay it forward. How many have seen and tasted that the Lord is good in your life? You need to take that and pay it forward to someone else. Hello, somebody. A true disciple has a heart that is in tune with the gospel. He or she lives with an open heart, And open hands toward the poor and the broken. Let me encourage you this morning to live with an open heart. I remember several years ago, we were on a trip. We landed in Sierra Leone late at night. And we got off the plane. And there was chaos. It was just just crazy. The environment was just chaotic and we were waiting to get on to the ferry to get us over to the mainland, and we're waiting for the ferry. The ferry was late. It's like early morning hours, and we're just tired. We've been on the planes and layovers for 24 hours, and we're just, I'm ready to go to bed. Come on, somebody, right? And, you know, we're waiting for the, the ferry to come off, and and a you know, tractor trailer comes off, jackknifes, jams up the ferry. So it just, came, everybody's trying to, hundreds of people are trying to get on around that truck and move it. I'm thinking, oh my God, someone's going to get hurt. This place is crazy. It's out of control. There's no order. I'm a person of order. How many are people of order? Sure. It, it kind of brings safety to you. I didn't feel safe. And so finally, we, 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 got, we got to the hotel. And obviously, the next day, we had to go and get our bags So we got back into a van. It was, a, it was a customized van. It had these wood seats, and, and, and it was just you sat on a bench, and you drove in this van. It, 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 was, it was high custom travel. <laughs> we got back. We got our bags, and then something happened to me. I wasn't prepared for. It tore my heart in two. When we got out, we got our bags into the car. All of a sudden, we saw all these children with no hands coming, begging. They were doing this. I was stunned. I was shocked. I broke down crying. I didn't know what to do. So we, we gave quarters. We put quarters in their stumps because they were begging. And so I went on our way back to the hotel. I'm thinking, what am I doing here? What is this world that I've stepped in? Lord, help me. What do I do? I got quiet and the Spirit of God came on me. Just this velvety piece that wrapped, wrapped me up and just said, open your heart. Be my hands and be my feet. And so through that week, we had so many opportunities. We went in to minister to the, to the sick at the hospital. We went to the orphanages. We preached on the streets. We, we, did, we went to a refugee camps. We did everything we could do, humanly possible. It wasn't a difficult task. All I had to do was open my heart. Open my heart. I remember... Years ago, we, we went to the Dream Center and, uh, you know, they had all kinds of wonderful opportunities to get out on the street and minister. We'd go to Under the Bridge Ministries, we'd go to the discipleship house and, and, and uh, get on the street in the morning and feed breakfast to the down and outers on, on Skid Row. And, and so we had lots of opportunities to demonstrate compassion. But one of the things that really struck me about that trip, was We had morning devotions, and we had, they had a pastor assigned for the morning devotions, and before we'd go out and minister, you know, he would sit down with us, and he would share, and, and sometimes he'd ask someone else to share uh, their testimony. And one morning, there was this, this lady uh, there, and she was very well-dressed, uh, looked like she was, you know, uh, a moderately wealthy person, and, and she began to share about her life. Her husband had just passed away. And here she was in the midst of her own personal loss. She made a decision to step out of her world and step into the world of those who were less fortunate. I thought, wow, that's just so noble, so powerful. It it always stuck with me. You know, maybe you're in a situation where you've encountered loss or you've experienced personal trauma in your life. You know, one of the best things for you would be to get out of that place and step into the shoes of someone else who's hurting and broken. I remember one of the first outreaches I was a part of, I believe it was Pastor Earl was leading the outreach. We were uh, preaching at Harvard Square and we were handing out sandwiches to people and walking around. And I'll, I'll never forget meeting this man laying down on the, one of those, you know, uh, park benches. And uh, this was probably one of my first times I got involved with outreach. And I'm looking at this man and he says, why is he here? He looks intelligent. He looks, you know, responsible. He's laying on the park bench asleep. So I walk over and and began a conversation with him and and gave him a sandwich. and, And he began to share about his life and how he fell into alcohol. And it tore his life apart. This man was a degreed man he was a smart individual and i was still looking through the lens of stereotype and and prejudice you know thinking you know when we think about the poor we think of about someone less than us come on somebody but these are people that were created in the image of god these are people that god loved these are people that jesus hung on a cross and bled and died and experienced a humiliating death on the cross While my eyes were, were open that day, I recognized that it doesn't matter who you are looking at, what they look like, every single person is created in the image of God. And every person is deserving of our love, of our chesed, of our mercy and our compassion. Listen, an open heart means you'll have open hands. You know, in the Old Testament, God taught Israel to acknowledge Him as their source through the tithe. Tithing, we know, empowers us to prosper because we tap into the wisdom of God and the favor of God, and we begin to see change in our finances. But all throughout the Old Testament, God instructed Israel, says, It's important for you to give free will offerings. He didn't mandate it, He encouraged it. Learn to demonstrate mercy. Learn to demonstrate chesed to those who are less fortunate. Listen, giving and serving others without expectation of some personal benefit elevates our lives to a much higher level, a higher motivation. Showing mercy and compassion that brings empowerment to those in need, there's nothing like it. It'll bring you a sense of joy, a sense of significance, That you were used by God as an instrument of his love and mercy to make a difference in someone else. To give a hand up to someone else. Amen. As I was studying this sermon uh, and and studying this word chesed, I was uh, reading an article from a rabbi. I like to get it up on the screen here. It's a great quote. It says, when a person receives mercy, they are more likely to be able to pass it on to another person. Through acts of charitable giving, where you treat someone like a human being, created in the image of God, with the respect they deserve, that person can be restored to the community. He or she can overcome the stigma of poverty, frailty, disease, or loneliness, and can themselves become engaged and empowered actors of mercy. That's so powerful. What mercy can do, it not only changes us, but it empowers us to pay it forward to someone else. Let me ask you a question. I want to challenge you in regards to your money. What is your money mindset? I was going to get real quiet. When money comes your way, what's your first thought? How much can I keep? How much can I spend on myself? Or is it How much can I give? How much can I spend on someone else? How much can I make an impact? When financial blessings come our way, do we see it as an opportunity just for ourselves? Or do we see it as an opportunity to minister to someone else? Let me encourage you about your giving beyond the tithe. God wants you to practice justice and generosity. Because that's what a disciple does. A disciple is just and generous. How many disciples do we have in the house? Say this with me. I am just and I am generous. You know, God using your life to execute true justice, to bring mercy and compassion to the hurting world that is around us will bring to you a true sense of joy, significance, feeling that I'm not just a recipient, I'm an instrument. I'm not just a bucket to receive something. I'm a tool to be used to empower someone. Hallelujah. This is good teaching. This is good preaching. Boy, we need to hear this. And and we need to have the opportunities to demonstrate this in the world around us. Let me close with this scripture. It's a great scripture that we've quoted a lot over the years in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And I'm going to read it here from the Amplified Version. It's talking about giving. It's not talking about tithing. It's talking about giving. It's talking about operating in graciousness, loving kindness, tender mercies. Remember this. He who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. And he who sows generously that blessings may come to someone will also reap generously and with blessings. Verse 7. Let each one give as he has made up in his own mind. And purposed in his own heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves, that is, he takes pleasure in, prizes above other things, and is unwilling to abandon or do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver, whose heart is in his giving. Why does God take such joy in that? Because you're replicating his heart. You're demonstrating who the real Jesus is. Jesus is not a religious Jesus. He's a compassionate Jesus. Jesus is not exclusive. He's inclusive. Jesus is not discriminatory. No, he treats everyone with love, respect. Everyone's created in the image of God. Everyone is deserving a chance. Everyone is deserving a hand up. Everyone is deserving someone to come alongside and encourage and pray and minister to them. Who's going to do that? Come on, somebody. Who's going to do that? Who's going to do that? That's us. We are his disciples. We are the just and generous. Go back there to verse eight. Listen to the promise that comes as we execute justice, mercy, and compassion. It says in verse eight, God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance. So that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for what? Every good work and charitable donation. Verse nine, as it is written, he the benevolent person, that's us, scatters abroad, he gives to the poor his deeds of justice, goodness, kindness, benevolence, those are actions words, will go on and endure forever. Hallelujah. Remember the word of the Lord that God gave pastor years ago. If we're faithful to bless New England and the parts of the world that he's called us to, guess what? We'll lack for no good thing. That's true for this ministry as a corporate body, but it's also true for you when you personally step in and engage to the world that is around you. Let me encourage you this summer to take a step, to get engaged. Check out our legacy funds. See what we're doing both home and abroad. Release your finances. So generous offerings. Release your love, your mercy, your chesed into the lives that are around you. In fact, I want to extend... a a special opportunity to each and every one of you today on July 10th. It's going to be a great day. It's called Serve Day. And we're going to be joining with other ministry partners and organizations all around the area. We're going to serve. We're going to give. We're going to help. We're going to provide these agencies who are helping the poor and the broken in our world today. Don't step back from the world that's around us today, and say it's not my problem. I got my own problems. I got enough challenges. Why do I need to care for someone else? I guarantee you, if you do what Job did and get out of his own problem and pray for someone else, help someone else, serve someone else, God will work in your life. So set that day aside, July 10th. Make that day your serve day. The greatest gift that you can give to someone else is chesed. Everybody say chesed. And you did that with a mask on. Amen. The greatest gift we can give to others is our acts of mercy and compassion. So throughout this summer, let me encourage you to really engage the world around you. Open your heart, open your hands, and let God use you to convey his loving kindness, his mercy, his graciousness and His benevolence. I close with the takeaway on the screen again. God is just and generous in all of His dealings with us. Believers, as believers we are recipients of God's justice and generosity, but we want to go a step further, right? Right? We want to be disciples who are not just recipients but have become facilitators of God's justice and and mercy hallelujah father we thank you thank you for your heart towards us thank you that you are so fair and equitable with us thank you that you have demonstrated mercy and compassion in our lives and you say go and do likewise so we're going to take a step Lord this summer And we're going to reach out. We're not going to close ourselves in. We're going to open up our hearts. We're going to open up our hands. And we're going to be a witness for your love. The love and the grace that you've shown toward us. We make that dedication today in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Amen. If you're watching us this morning or you're here today, maybe you're new here at the church or watching us for the first time online. God loves you. He paid the price for your sins and for my sins. And if you're here today, and you never made Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, let me extend to you an invitation to receive him today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe on him would not perish, but have eternal life. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. We all need God's chesed. Would you pray this prayer with me today? If you're here today in the sanctuary or you're watching us here online, just pray this simple prayer and mean it with all of your heart. Say this with me. God in heaven, I believe that God raised Jesus from the dead, that he paid the price for my sins. He set me free from slavery. Now I'm free. I'm a child of God thank you, Jesus, for loving me. I choose to follow you all the days of my life. Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you.